in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? Broadcasting live from the greatest city in the world. Austin, Texas, baby. It's Bucky and Aaron. You guys want to play some twos? You know what? Actually, we're kind of in the middle of a conversation. B and E. What's B and E? Bucky Godbolt, Aaron Hogan on the Horn 1049 AM 1260 and hornfm.com with the Longhorns play and Austin Talks Sports. Final hour of hours on a buck-off Thursday brought to you by the Austin Gamblers, Austin's professional bull riding team. Hope you're checking out that uh, Amazon Prime, the Prime Video Series, eight-episode docu-series behind the scenes of the first year of the PBR, going from individual bull riding to team bull riding. Austin is featured. It's really good. It's really good. Can't Even if you don't know anything about bull riding, I promise you, you'll like it. It's really compelling. High adrenaline stuff with the bull riding, but then behind the scenes with these guys and where they come from and their families and what they deal with, pretty darn good. Prime video and the Austin Gamblers uh, bring us Buck Off Thursday. My biggest Buck Offs and Buck Offs of the day, Buck. I still got a Buck Off this Stephen F. Austin, assistant bowling coach, Lemke. Coach Lemke. Come on, Lemke. What's wrong with this guy? I just think you really were going to get away with that. You know, your wife's the head coach. You're having an affair with one of the bowlers? And you don't even think that's wrong? You're like, well, I guess there's he a code. He was trying of, to get out of it. I guess there's a code of conduct. <laughs> well, there's no law. for his mar- As far as his marriage goes, he was like, yeah. Ejection. Much, he, no, he was like, she bossed me around. She pretty much made me run the practices. Like, when, whenever, she's the boss. She's like, before I was hired on, I was an assistant, and uh, or I was a volunteer, and she'd leave me at home with the kids all weekend. You said like, that? Yeah. Lemke. All in the- uh, Come on, uh, the, Lemke. The Lufkin. That's where that's where. No, Nacogdoches. Nacogdoches. Okay, Nacogdoches. Lufkin, Lufkin's close, right? By the way, Stephen F. Austin is anticipated to transfer in the, under the UT system umbrella, by the way. Do you know that? Yeah, and Cosmo needs to call Cordell and Cordell. Get his act together there. It's about 248000 I've been to Stephen F. Austin. I'll take the kids. I've, hey. been, to, I've been to Naca Nowhere one time, and was nearly, I nearly, we nearly got killed in a car wreck when I was there. Wow. So I don't have fond memories of Nacogdoches. We were dumb idiots. So how, can I, how, how about this, wife? How about if I take the kids... And you don't get the two forty eight. I'll support the kids, and they can live with me. I'll hire a nanny for a hundred thousand a year. <laughs> yeah. Be saving one forty. Somebody said I'm banging the nanny. Somebody said need picks. Is the bowling coach hot? You could probably guess. No, she's not. No. Neither's Lemke. I mean, he. I mean, Lemke. Bag. Come on, none Lem- of the girls on the bowling team were hot either. Shocking. I, I, I checked out some pictures. Limpy, come on. And I was trying to think of my Kevin Costner favorite movies: Field of Dreams, Bull Durham, two of my favorite all-time films, without a doubt. Uh, big fan of uh, For the Love of the Game. Remember that with Argy Garrido in it? Yeah, you had to like Water cheesy World. love story. I did not like Water. World. I did like The Bodyguard with Whitney Houston. I did too. I mine's is Untouchables. No Way Out. Untouchables. Untouchables was great. Mm-hmm. 13 Days was really good. Open Range. Dances with Wolves. Wyatt Earp. Dances with Wolves. And, of course, Draft Day. Who can forget Draft Day when he's the general manager of your Cleveland Browns? Uh, bull. Draft Day was awesome. Dances with Wolves. Yeah. Won, won the best picture, didn't it? Yep. Yeah. And so I'm in with Kevin Costner. I'm not in with 250 k a month wow. in child support. What do these kids do? Yeah. What is it they need? What is it they do in a month? Two, $250,000? <laughs> a month? A month? She's got a lifestyle, as Ty said. You she know, does gonna, have a lifestyle. That has nothing to do with the kids, right? I guess, man. That's a lot of coinage. Cordell and Cordell, my friend. <laughs> yeah, well, Cordell and Cordell was the one that gave us the tip on our commercials that said, uh, don't, don't leave, leave the house. Don't leave the house. She ain't leaving. 
The minute she goes out of that house, past that gate, all her stuff is going over the fence. I want my money, and I want it now. <laughs> over the fence. Is that JG? Wow. By the way, we were talking earlier about the uh, the Super Prep High School League that, that this guy that used to run the USFL is coming online with. And we talked about the NBA draft tonight with the, this Overtime Elite, which is a prep league that has developed two of the top you know, five players that are going to be drafted tonight, the, the Thompson Twins. And a lot of people weighed in on that with football. Uh, let me clarify that they're, they're going to charge you to be in this league, Buck. Now, you can make money while you're there through NIL if it doesn't disqualify you from your high school. But the business model is the, the, the guy who's bringing this online, the former head of the USFL, believes that with the transfer portal, it's getting harder and harder to get – unless you're the super five-star, you don't get recruited as much, right? It's hard for high school players to, to stand out. Because uh, you know, college coaches will just recruit a, a transfer portal player more than a high school player, and so this is an opportunity in those ten cities to stand out and play against other really good players, four and five star players. How many games do they play? This is six weeks. Six weeks in the spring, April into May. How much football do you need? I mean, for a kid that age. Well, he he, he is comparing it to like the the it's he, it's for recruiting purposes for high school players. It's also, he says it's better than 7-on-7 seven seven because it's going to be 11-on-11 11 11 football, so it's easier to evaluate the players and to stand out. Uh, and he compares it to, to uh, you know, basketball parents paying for AAU. Like, they'll pay for AAU to get get seen and, and noticed, either to a college scholarship or into the G League or off to the NBA. Uh, he's trying to bring that online in football. I don't know if it's going to work, but uh, we'll see. That's, but do you think you can play those games and then play in your high school, too? You can't do both? Now, again, if you take money... You can't. You can't. No, you can't do Especially both. in Texas. UIL, would you would not be able to. It's still, if, even if you could, it's too you many pay, games. But too you, many football games. It seems like too many football games. But if you pay for it, then, you know, then you're not getting paid. Then You're just doing it for exposure. That's the business model. But we'll see. That's the Super Prep High School League that's coming online next April. All right, let's go to the Vaqueros hotline. He is uh, the senior writer at Dave Campbell's Texas Football, formerly of the Austin American Statesman. He's also my co-host on the Eyes on Texas Multicast, the podcast and multicast we do each and every week. It lives at Dave Campbell's Texas Football website there, the uh, Republic of Football website, the uh, YouTube page, and at the Horns YouTube page, Eyes on Texas Football. Just dropped our 10th episode this week. Another good one, talking about uh, Big 12 football on the Longhorns. He is our friend Mike Craven. Mike, what's up, buddy? Uh, not much, guys. How y'all doing? Doing good, Michael. Hey, you record. You uh, covered high school recruiting for a long time. You used to do that and in, in, uh, do the Fab Fifty Five at the Statesman. Do you see any any value in a uh, super prep high school league for exposure for high school players? Maybe in other states, probably not Texas. Yeah, I mean that dude's a grifter. Uh, if you look back through his career, he's kind of always you know, always been this way. I, I don't I don't see it. Uh, AAU like comparing it to AAU basketball. I, I just don't. I don't see the value there, just because uh, in basketball the talent's a little bit more spread out. Obviously, it's not a physical sport. You put helmets on guys, you make them play. Now, if you make it a state championship game, you're playing 16, 17 games. Right. And if you did it in the spring stuff, you just that's too much contact for for young brains. I agree with that. And then they they have to pay for it. And, and you, now I'm right that if they accept NIL money, which this guy is pitching that they can do, they'll be then ineligible to play for their high school team if they're not done with high school yet. Yeah, and you know the THSDA won't won't allow that to happen at, at a very big scale. It'll be interesting to see how many players and, and who, who and who does it. I'd imagine it'd be mostly guys who you know feel like they're ineligible, maybe. 
uh, and stuff like that. So I, I don't know. I don't know how it goes. But in a state like Texas, you know, they've done everything they can to fight off private school football. I'd imagine they do the same thing. This. Yeah, would agree. And he, the plan is to have teams in Houston and Dallas. So we'll see. All right, Dave Campbell's Texas football. I have it in front of me. If you're watching our Twitch channel, watching us on H- at hornfm.com, I've got it. It's uh, Sunny Dykes on the cover, Reginald Samples on the inside cover from uh, D- Duncanville. Uh, you told me on the podcast, on the multicast, Mike, you, you wrote how many stories and how many words did you, are you a part of or, or contributed to the Dave Campbell's 2023 edition? Uh, it's just under 35,000 words. I did 12 of the 13 sections. Our, our college editor, uh, Ishmael Johnson, went to Texas State, so he liked to do the Texas State one. So I did all other 12 FBS sections on the main cover story. It came out to about 34,000, which was down from like 50,000 words the year before because we hired somebody to help with the uh, sub-FBS. Wow. Story. Well, and you wrote the Sonny Dykes article uh, behind the scenes with him, of course, in his his unbelievable year. Now, the other question I have for you is yesterday, I believe, was the day media ballots had to be in for Big 12 preseason picks and honors. Uh, could I ask you what maybe your your preseason Big 12 ballot looked like, one to five, uh, top five teams in the Big 12? Um, I had, you know, Texas at number one, Kansas State number two, Oklahoma three, Texas Tech four, TCU five. Off the top of my head, I believe that to be the case. I, I think Texas is the most talented team. I feel like Kansas State is kind of the most proven team, and I can count on them to, to play at a certain level. I just really believe in Chris Kleiman and what he's able to do as a head coach, just the culture he's built there at Kansas State. And then for Oklahoma, you know, their schedule's so darn easy. It's hard to not see them. Uh, being in contention towards the end of the Big 12 uh, regular season. I think one of the more surprising things for me in the summer was just kind of seeing that Oklahoma schedule and that the Big 12 didn't try to just bury Texas and Oklahoma with as many tough road possible games as they could. So I think that's my top five. But, you know, the Big 12 is insane. So I, I – Fully expect to look like a dummy come November. <laughs> yeah, because you mentioned to me on the multicast that when when you went in and talked to Sonny Dykes, he had his cover, he had his magazine from a year ago, and reminded you that uh, you didn't think so highly of TCU one year ago. Yeah, I had them at seven and five last year. Uh, <laughs> you know, to show how much of an expert I am, they ended up going twelve and zero. Um, and so, yeah, you know, I, I think that's that's kind of the tough part. I mean, tough's the wrong word. It was all in good jest, right? But I, I think. The hardest part of the magazine is that it, it lives forever. You know, most people can put their takes out there and, it, and they kind of go away and, it, you know, you know, you forget about them by the time uh, the year rolls around. But for us, as being in that magazine, it's kind of used as reference material. I get reminded uh, of how wrong I am a lot. But that's the fun part about doing the job. Mike, for, for Sonny, I mean, the, the number of players that he loses as starters on that football team, uh, which is a lot, which is every good starter is now gone. But there had to be a lot of kids that were backups or, or number two players that got a chance to play an awful lot of football on a team that won so many football games last year. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I think, you know, Sonny feels pretty good about where his program is. You know, he's always used the transfer portal. I mean, dating back to like Nick Foles, you know, at Arizona, he brought him through the transfer portal, right? Uh, Shane Bouchelle at SMU, Tanner Mordecai. Like, he, he's always been able to find guys through the portal. Last year they were able to as, as well. Now, they feel pretty good defensively. I think, you know, inside that building, they think they're going to be even better on defense than they were last year. Dominic Williams, that, that true freshman nose tackle, is back. They've gotten bigger up front as they've transferred out of Gary Patterson's four-man down – or four-front to a to an mm-hmm. odd-man front. So they feel better about their front seven. The secondary is going to be pretty good. They brought in a lot of talent on the outside at wide receiver, so I don't think skill position is going to be a big question mark. For me, it's, it's the running game, right? I mean – I think Chandler Morris is going to be fine at quarterback. He had won the job over Max Duggan last year. 
You know, but Kendra Miller in that running game and, and what Garrett Riley was able to do as offensive coordinator, you know, really gave them balance and opened them up and allowed them to win in multiple ways. You know, they were able to kind of outscore guys in the in old Big 12 shootouts, but then they were actually able to out-physical some teams like they were able to do, you know, in Austin against Texas. And so will they have multiple ways to win this game, win, win games this year? I think that depends on, on the offensive line and how quickly that can come about. Yeah, it will be interesting at TC. They had played a lot of close games, a lot of comeback wins last year. Uh, of course, they knocked out so many quarterbacks that got hurt while they were playing, whether they knocked them out or just got hurt. Uh, it seemed like a team of destiny, and uh, sometimes those things come back to come back to normal. Uh, we'll see with Sonny Dykes, but he is a really good football coach. Uh, I know you uh, have covered Joey McGuire for a long time at Texas Tech. A lot of optimism in Lubbock, and there's a great piece on him, on the, on Texas Tech here, at least in their little overview. What is uh, what is the reason for optimism in Texas Tech, and what concerns you with the Red Raiders? You know, I think if you look at the Big 12 over the last couple of years, I mean, with Baylor making that run in 2021, Kansas State and TCU last year, you know, it's not always the most talented team that wins in the Big 12. In fact, it, it seems to not be, right, when Lincoln Riley's not around, when Oklahoma's not running. And so, uh, you know, you look at Baylor, you look at Tech, you look at, at Kansas State and TCU last year, and they were all older class, upperclassmen teams, good quarterbacks, uh, a lot of experience in the trenches, you know, seniors all over the defense. That's exactly what Texas Tech is. You know, they bring back every offensive line starter, added a couple guys through the transfer portal to, to kind of help depth there. Uh, both quarterbacks are back, you know, that are really good. The wide receiver, everybody on defense for the most part, except for Tyree Wilson, uh, comes back. So they just they have a lot of experience. They have a lot of upperclassmen, and that's been kind of the recipe to make a run in the Big 12 over the last two or three seasons. Well, you got to believe that for the Texas Longhorns, if you have them number one, then you've got to believe that they have the most talented players that'll be at just about every position. But where do you where do you stand with the talent of the head coach? And year number three, he should be a pretty talented head coach with this kind of uh with this kind of football team itself. Yeah, I mean E and I have talked about this on the multicast. I mean I think the biggest question mark for Texas going into the year is just, you know, can the head coach and the quarterback be be mature enough to do this over a twelve game regular season and, and not have two or three weeks where it just blows up in the second half, whether you're just missing targets, missing wide-open guys, or, or calling plays that maybe you shouldn't be given the circumstances going on right there. And so you know, I think the maturity in the quarterback room, and I, I include Sark as part of that conversation, to me is the, really the only red flag for Texas going into the year because you look everywhere else, and there's just no reason that Texas isn't in the Big 12 championship game. And that includes and other coaches started. on his staff, right, Mike? I mean, this, this is a pretty talented staff, too, now. Yeah, and on the defensive side of the ball, you got guys going into year three with the exact same staff, not just the same defense coordinator, but every single position, you know, coach mm-hmm. as well. And so, uh, I mean, there really are no excuses for Texas. The Big Big 12 is wide open. There's not like this team that's a heavy favorite that has the star quarterback back. Like, that's Texas. And so, uh, for them, it's all out in front of them. And it, to me, it's just about maturity and how this team can handle success, how it can handle expectations, and how it handles adversity when it when it naturally will come at some point throughout the year. Yeah, Texas more you know checks the most boxes. They have the fewest question marks, and question on them is can they deliver? Uh, Kansas State's got the best coach, and they're the defending champions with a lot of returners and a quarterback that returns. Oklahoma with the easy schedule and and year two for Brett Venables. Texas Tech we talked about. What about Baylor? Dave Aranda, you know, you, everyone talks about Blake Shapin. You always, Mike, on the multicast, and whenever I hear you, you talk about their defense, and that's what Dave Aranda builds the program on, and it wasn't very good last year. Yeah, I mean, I, I challenge everybody who kind of harpens on the Blake Shapin thing to go back to 2021 and look at the, the scores Baylor was winning by in those big games down the stretch, in the Sugar Bowl and the Big 12 championship game, 
you know, against Big 12 opponents, they weren't scoring more than 30 points. Like, they were, they were a low-scoring team. They averaged more points per game last year than they did when they won 12 games in the Sugar Bowl the year before. So, you know, Dave Aranda is always going to be the guy who wants to have a low-scoring, close, physical, tough game. And that defense just lost that. They did not go into the transfer portal and replace the Terrell Bernard, a Jalen Petrie, a JT Woods. Like, they just they tried to do it in-house, and they didn't have the talent to do it. He learned his lesson. He went into the portal a lot, especially on the defensive side of the ball. So they should be more talented. The thing with Baylor, though, is like how do you predict a team that's been so up and down, two and seven to twelve and two to six and seven? You know what team are they? What kind of program are they? Uh, my guess is somewhere in between that. that they're like an eight and four, seven and five uh, type team this year because it's just hard for me to believe that that defense can show up. It's the same thing with TCU, right? When the margins are so small, there's got to be a step back just statistically. You know, you're not going to win every single coin flip every single year. And so I think Baylor is one of the most unknowns in the Big 12, to be honest with you. Agreed. He is Mike Craven, Dave Campbell's Texas football senior writer, who, as he said, almost 35,000 words. He's written for the edition this year, including the cover story on Sonny Dykes. Uh, one other, then I want to talk a little Texas A&M, because, yeah, of course, it's Dave Campbell's Texas football, all the uh, teams that, all 13 in the Division One level in the state of Texas. So we'll talk about some Aggies. But what about of the schools that are coming into the Big 12, the four new schools, which team do you look at uh, that may be the most dangerous joining the Big 12? I think it's Central Florida. You know, they played really good last year. They got a lot of guys back, including their, you know, they got a good quarterback there as well. Gus Malzahn, you know, coached at a, at a major level before. Uh, his offense is unique and especially will be unique within the Big 12. And so, you know, for me, I think long term, uh, Cincinnati and Houston may have the most upside just because of, of location. But if we're talking short, short term, I think with Gus Malzahn at Central Florida and the talent they have there, just the the odyssey of what it is that they run offensively and defensively, I think they're going to some, some surprise some folks and probably end up, you know, with the best record in the Big Twelve of the newcomers in my mind. You, you know, know, Mike, and for the Aggies, uh, I, I just I feel no sense of momentum there at all. I just, I mean, with the almost uprising they had last year and the, the ridiculousness that went on in that in that football program last night, there's there's always that little feel of you've got some momentum going. I, I just don't feel it uh, with Texas A&M. Yeah, you can kind of see it with Jimbo during these, you know, talking tours, right? Like mm-hmm. all these major coaches, all these major cities, and talk to their donors and their boosters. And if we remember, going into last year, that's when Saban and, and right. Jimbo were having their back-and-forth WWE kind of promo battle, you know, at, at these things. You go and you listen to Jimbo this year, and it's just not there. There just doesn't seem to be a lot of fire, a lot of confidence, a lot of that bravado that he's known for. And you know, I, I've talked to some people around A and M, and you know, I'm just curious if he kind of feels a little bit neutered. You know, like he is yeah. a play caller. That's what he likes to do. That's his favorite part of this whole thing is building teams and calling plays. And they took, you know, his favorite thing away from him and gave it to some other guy. And and you know, that's going to be tough for his ego. And we'll see how it goes. I mean, I've talked to to Aaron about this as well in the multicast. Like, I think it's all going to go well when they're winning football games. But when it's 20 to 13 and they're losing to Ole Miss and it's the fourth quarter and the offense isn't playing well. Who's going to call plays? Who's going to take over the play set? Like, what, what's what's going to happen on the sidelines? I mean, I think that's one of the more interesting stories in college football this year and one that we're all going to be watching every single week. Yeah, A&M does have a lot of returning players, but they weren't very good last year, so they have to improve in that spot. They should have a, a, a you know good quarterback battle there. Who do you think wins that battle for quarterback at A&M? I mean, oh, Max Johnson is there, and, of course, the, the, the kid Wiegman out of Houston with the five-star. Is he going to be him, or is it Max Johnson? 
Yeah, if Connor Wigman's not the starter at A&M, something went really weird and bad over the offseason. I think, you know, Max Johnson, they know what he is. They, they like his consistency and his leadership and just his ability to be kind of like an extra assistant coach with just kind of his family history and, and just how much he's been around football. You know, but Connor's a, a former five-star guy with some real athleticism, some dual athleticism, and I think bringing in Petrino – who's more used to, or maybe not even more used to, but more prone to use his quarterback in the running game, I think will help unlock him a little bit. Jimbo doesn't like to use his quarterback in that kind of way, and so I think that's going to help Connor's uh, uh, development a little bit, having a, uh, an offensive coordinator that's going to allow him to move around and use his legs a little bit more. Well, Mike, always appreciate it, man. Uh, Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine, the 2023 edition is out, or at least coming out. It'll be hitting newsstands. I know some of the subscribers have already gotten theirs. Craig Way was handing uh, us out some Dave Campbell's. And I know coming up on uh, his show, Light the Tower, this week and into next week and into July, they'll be giving away a copy of Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine every day. Also, if you go to our website, hornfm.com, you can uh, get signed up to win a copy there as well. And, of course, you can purchase it and, or, or order it yourself at Dave Campbell's Texas football. Thank you, Mike. Thanks, Appreciate Mike. it, bud. Thank you. Talk to you all next time. There he is, my good friend, our good friend, Mike Craven, uh, formerly the statesman, now the senior writer at Dave Campbell's, and wrote a lot of really good stuff in here. This thing is chock full of high school, of course, as always, the Bible, uh, college football, and it's amazing, Buck. They're now one of the reasons we started this multicast is Dave Campbell's, you know, Dave Campbell's Texas football, the, the, the brand is now owned by Drayton McClain. Ray McLean, the former Houston Astros owner, has got his name on the Baylor McLean Stadium. Mm-hmm. Uh, he bought it. Of course, Dave Campbell, the late Dave Campbell, passed away. Uh, but they're really pushing the the, the Division One football coverage. It's been the high school you know bible for so long. Absolutely. But man, they're now with with Sam Houston State rising up a level. I mean, there's 13 Division One schools in the state of Texas. They cover every single one of them. And so our multicast focuses on Texas. It's called the Eyes on Texas multicast. It's on YouTube. At our Horn YouTube page, also Dave Campbell's. Also, but if you're a fan of Big 12 football and Texas football, you can go to that Republic of Football tab at DaveCampbellsTexasFootball.com, the, web, the, the website, and you can listen to the to the web to the podcast of all the schools. All the, I think they have ten of the schools now have its own dedicated podcast. So if you're a Tech fan, uh, A&M fan, they've got one. Gosh, just go down the list, and you can get some really in-depth stuff like we do with the eyes on Texas on a week-by-week basis. Uh, so we appreciate Mike. Really good stuff there. Maybe the best thing for Texas A&M is not to have that Jimbo attitude this year and just go try to play. I agree with Mike 100%, though. I mean, he was up in arms and ready to go last year. I mean, they're, well, they're, they're, he, was, he was very aggressive in well, the way yeah, he he's talked. A, he's a stubborn dude, right? Yeah. And he, in his mind, it, 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 he won a national championship with this offense. He and Jameis Winston yeah. won a Heisman Trophy. This guy was you know, running national championships, running the offense for Nick Saban, and then Bobby Bowden. I mean, he yeah. knows what he's doing. I feel like he's just like holding on for dear life. Just feeling, just, it feels like. Yeah. And now Bobby Petrino is in. We know that the, the search for the new offensive coordinator took a while, and that's a lot of people didn't think Jimbo actually wanted to go there. He wanted to keep control of the offense, but the boosters, you know, they weren't going to fire him and pay that buyout, but they were going to demand he make changes, and that's what Mike's talking about. That How does that go when they get into tight games in the fourth quarter if, if they're behind a little bit? does, does That could be combustible. A, a guy yes. like Bobby Petrino and a guy like Jimbo Fisher, could they be butting heads? Now, if they get along, I mean, there's no doubt Bobby Petrino is a really, really smart offensive mind, and Rex right. actually could help that offense you know, join the next century. Uh, but we'll see. That is going to be one of the great storylines of the college football season of how that goes because it could be boom or bust, right? It could be because you still, if, you, if the quarterback comes along in Weigman, they still have Evan Stewart down there at receiver. They've got explosive players and returning offensive linemen. They got to replace Devin A. Chain at running back. But man, um, 
they need some wins. <laughs> they need some wins, safe to say, because the, the natives are getting restless there. Same with in Austin, right? Steve Sarkeesian. All, all gas, no excuses. This is the year to win the Big 12 championship on your way out. That is uh, obviously the goal, and anything less than that I think would be a disappointing season for the Longhorns. We'll come back, uh, pick up these conversations, your thoughts, buck-ons and buck-offs as well, the night of the NBA draft, and one heck of a baseball game on tap tonight in Omaha. We'll preview it next. It's Bucky and Aaron. Good stuff this morning. Thank you to uh, Keenan Womack, orangebloods.com, and, of course, draft expert. Previewing tonight's draft, he likes Victor Wanbanyama to be a generational player, best prospect since LeBron. He's on board with that way of thinking. Also thinks the Houston Rockets are going to take Amen Thompson, one of the Thompson twins, with the fourth pick. Also thinks maybe Damian Lillard gets traded tonight from the Portland Trailblazers, with the Blazers maybe at three taking Scoot Henderson, the G League point guard who he called he compared to Derrick Rose when he was coming out of Memphis as that kind of athleticism. Um, and that the Mavericks may take Grady Dick because Ty wants Ty wants Grady yeah, Dick. Yeah, Ty wants Grady Dick. Ty That's wants why him I, some. You know what? Don't and I, you know about, what? I was, forget that tonight. I was right about Derrick Rose when he first came into the league. That I thought he was his moves were so sudden that he wouldn't last very long in the NBA. Kind of like Zion Williamson, but Zion's so big. He yeah, yeah, he's just too he's too heavy. He's uh, way too heavy with, if he's got lower body injuries. This guy says so. Jimbra, Jimbra. <laughs> Jimbo won't be using the laminated Denny's menu for a play sheet this year. Probably not. Probably not. No. I. How long before Jimbo and Bobby Petrino get in a fist fight on the sidelines? That would be like Buddy Ryan and Kevin Gilbride. I can't wait. Oh, they're, they're going to put on a good face. Yeah, they will. They, they, they really will. I, think I, I, think will be able I don't think so. I, th- I think there's going to be some, some you know, concerned looks on Jimbo's face this year. I was just telling E before we, 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 you know, during the break, I said, you know, I don't have that feeling that a lot of UT fans – have the same feeling like we do, Ty, you and me and E, that it's, you know, get into the, get into the championship game or bust. That's what it is. I, I think people here, I have that feeling, unlike I felt about Jimbo and all his antics last year, that people here feel that nine wins going into the SEC is okay. That's, that's progress. We're making progress. I want more I think, than that. I think that's maybe bare minimum. I may, maybe, and I may be wrong. I may maybe be acceptable. I, I, would not, be, I would be disappointed. If would you, you really? If we went nine, nine and win? three, I would be disappointed. Well, really, yeah. at least ten. Any well, loss is disappointing, but at least ten. Yeah, I think it's double digits or bust. And if you get the double digits, especially if you lose the Alabama game, which is a non-conference game, if you get to ten wins, you're going to be playing in the Big Twelve title game, and that that has to be the goal. Now, look, is Steve Sarkeesian going to get fired if they go nine and three? Probably not, but there'll be there'll be calls for play caller or whatever. I mean, I, I think some of the you same. Think so you think it, yeah, really, I mean, at that is, point in the year three? Yeah. Well, look, I, Texas fans have so de- lowered their. I just and, and I'm saying that because I think the fans are more excited. Like, you know, with the team and the head coach, of course, he's saying there's 2023 to be had first. Let's think about that before 2024. But I think for a fan base, I think they're looking more towards 2024 for some. I mean, I am. I'm looking at the schedule. It's exciting, and I'm not bypassing 2023 year no, this think, year. But I think people are are thinking 93 is okay. That's not what I hear from people. People want a championship on the way out to prove that they're ready to even compete in that conference. I mean, well, you, that's what I believe you'll have to be. Yeah, you, or, you're, as I said, you'll be Mississippi State. That's the next step for this program. I mean, Steve Sarkeesian is, to me, for me, has proven a lot. And you and I have covered, covered a lot of coaches. Right. We were, you, know, you worked for John Magovic. We covered the Mac Brown area. We've covered Texas for 23 Charlie years now. Charlie Strong, the whole works. Steve Sarkeesian, although the wins aren't there, has proven quite a bit to me that he can lead this program. He's a great communicator. He builds relationships. He recruits. Uh, his staff is all in unison and on board. He said, "You know, he is a good leader of this program. He's a good face of the program, but he's got to win." 
mean, at the end of the day, mm-hmm. uh, you got to put wins on the board. And I know it's just year three, but the talent is there. Uh, the expectation should be double digits in a Big 12. I mean, I think the if you get to the championship game, you need to win it. Now, I know because i got a buddy of mine that I argue with that says, no, it, quit saying Big 12 championship game bust. Big 12 champions are bust is what the year should be. But, you know, TCU had the great year last year undefeated, but they didn't win the Big 12 title game. I mean that 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 game is going to be a tough one, and and you know that's sure anything can happen. Just get, get to game. the championship, get to game. it, and then you know people forget the K State won that ball game and won the Big Twelve, despite the fact that TCU played for the national championship. So, but that would look. I don't it, want to be in a hunt. I want to be in wanna, the game. I'm not saying that you shouldn't win the Big Twelve, but if this team should be playing in Arlington in early December, I would agree. And if they're not, I think it's a very disappointing season, and and it would show that they're not. They're not going to be great when they you – know, the big, the SEC will devour you. I mean, ask Arkansas, ask A&M if you're not ready, especially, you know, when you start going week by week in that conference. As I've said before, once again, if, if you don't get in the championship game this year, you'll go in there as Mississippi State Somebody said or he's, Mississippi. He's Tom Herman so far, great recruiting, disappointing in-game coach. Well – Tom Herman wasn't a great recruiter. He was a terrible recruiter. I thought he was doing and as the years I mean, when I say it got, re- it got worse. When I say relationship builder, Steve Sarkeesian has a great relationship with the high school coaches in the state and with the important people. Stop Tom Herman at the end, the, the main reason he was fired at the end of a winning season in which he was four and in bowl games is that his recruiting had fallen off so far. Arch, gosh, Quinn Ewers had decommitted, the Brocker Myers weren't I mean the, the didn't have a chance. Yeah, parents his, didn't yeah, like his him. His arrogance really and at the end, it. you know, his his own coaches weren't a big fan of his antics. His own boss, <laughs> the boosters, the high school coaches. Uh, so it was just it was untenable at that point. Steve Sarkeesian, I think, gets check marks in all of those areas. But yes, he's got to he's got to win football games. And and you know, the four games they lost last year, I, I'm going to leave the bowl game out of it. But the four games that they lost in the regular season were all very winnable games. Yeah, that means his hands were in it. He had a chance yeah. to win to help them win it. I mean, you could argue that Alabama, Texas Tech, Oklahoma State were more lost. They lost the game more than the other team won it. Um, now, Texas Tech with all the fourth down conversions, and they got a lot of good fortune in that game, but they still won the football game. That's what, that's what this program has to get over that hump of being a winning He program. has to get you big wins. He has yep. to do something that makes you yep. win a game. That's right. Uh, all the talent comes together, and you coach right. it up to the to the highest level, and Absolutely. that would be the next step. And if they do that, I think you'll feel pretty confident going into the Southeastern Conference. Not that you're going to walk in there and you know. Win I, the I just believe get into the championship game, and anything can happen in a championship game. Yeah, they. You know, that's right, and that would mean double digit wins, almost certainly. And uh, but I'm the wrong guy because I I just have the feel that the fans are like nine and three would do as well to go into the SEC, and I don't think so. I don't either, and I think most fans I talk to would be disappointed in nine and three. Now again, if you and it's not a, it's not outside the the realm. You could lose to Alabama, you could lose to Oklahoma and Dallas, and then you could lose one other somewhere, and that's three right. losses. Uh, but you know, I think fans would be pretty disappointed by that. But uh, uh, this is the year to step forward and for be, sure, you know, much like you did in year one when you guys won the Big Twelve championship, win the final Big Twelve championship that you're playing in. Uh, also, I mentioned tonight uh, when you're watching the NBA draft, flip over, make sure you're watching ESPN at six o'clock tonight. If you haven't watched a single college baseball game this season outside of the Longhorns, this would be the one. Because I know a lot of Longhorn fans kind of turned off because they were disappointed the way the Longhorn season ended. But, uh, man, this game tonight, I don't know if you could ask for much more. You know, the, the three best teams all year in college baseball have been Wake Forest, Florida, and LSU, in my mind. Uh, LSU was number one for a good portion of the season. Uh, Wake Forest has been number one. Florida's been right there with that great pitching staff. So Florida's already in. And the winner of tonight's game between LSU and Wake Forest will play Florida for the national championship. And tonight, the game you get, Buck, is Paul Skeens, 
the consensus number one pick in the draft. The guy's one of the best pitching prospects, as you've talked about, Buck. People are talking about him coming straight out and helping a team this yeah, year. Yeah, they're talking about him helping immediately. The Pittsburgh Pirates have the first pick. Maybe be able to help them out of their bullpen immediately. He's got that kind of arm, a generational arm. Uh, you know, moving from Air Force, where he was a two-way player, played catcher and pitcher, going to LSU, getting that great coaching and development, and just focusing on pitching. He's gone from good prospect to one of the best we've seen. He'll face a pitcher who's actually been better than him this year at Wake Forest, Buck, but doesn't get the headlines. Um, you know, what's the kid's name? Fifteen and zero. Yeah, fifteen and zero. Rhett, uh, what? Uh, I, his name has jumped out of my head. Uh, but he's the kid with the the unbelievable changeup. Uh, he's fifteen and zero with an ERA of one point nine. Uh, Skeens has an ERA of one point eight and is twelve and two. This is going to be man. If you can scratch a run or two across, you've got a chance in this game tonight. Now, Wake Forest had a night off uh, to get you know where LSU had to play last night. But it feels like LSU going to, of course, Wake Forest beat LSU. Just two nights ago in that three to two game, this is going to be one hell of a ball game tonight. So looking forward to that. The winner will play Florida for the national championship, and uh, just uh, I'm a big baseball fan, and this is you can't ask for more. This is the two best teams, two of the three best teams, and then the winner will face Florida, who's been outstanding and is unbe- and is undefeated in Omaha, Nebraska. So good stuff there. I'm excited about the draft tonight because I want to know. I want to see a little bit more of the Scoot Henderson do because I don't. I, I mean, is this is are we looking at a guy that could be I mean, he's six two. He's not six four. He's a six two guy, right? Six four. He's six four. Is he? He is. He's big, big, strong, and he's physical. Physical guy, uh, athletic as heck. But I think uh, Russell Westbrook. Yeah. Um, oh, okay. But he's got to learn yes. to shoot, right? He's got to learn to shoot. Yeah. But I do agree with what Keenan said that you know, the fact that he's got a good mid mid range game and he shoots good free throws, he's and got he's, a good strong. And he's well, if he's going to go to the free throw line because he'll go to the rim. Well, and if you can shoot free throws at a seventy five percent click and clip, and you can make the mid range because no one can stay in front of you, you have to think the three pointer can develop. God, the more I see and, these guys, these six four six, man, how good was Allen Iverson? He oh, unbelievable. I mean, how good was that dude when he came out? Unbelievable. Um, Allen Iverson, what a six footer, maybe. Six one. Six two. No, Iverson not six two. I know you're six two. I think you can eat a meal off the top of Allen Iverson's head. <laughs> yeah, he was he was I mean, he's, six foot. He's one of the six greatest footer. little yeah. players of all time. Yes. Uh, you're, you're without sure, a, yeah. without doubt. He and Isaiah Thomas. The uh, shortest MVP. Yeah, that's for right? sure. Uh, quick correction. Wake Forest, LSU played last night, obviously. Wake Forest was off the night before. I'm, they haven't had an extra day that LSU mm-hmm. is not. LSU is playing, you know, again tonight. Wake Forest had that extra day. LSU beat them last night. Good game, 5-2. to two. They'll go again tonight with Skeens uh, on, the, on the hill for uh, LSU. Check that out. We'll come back, uh, recap the top stories, get you teed up for Light the Tower with Craig and the crew. That's coming next. Bucky and Aaron. Appreciate all the buck-ons and buck-offs today. Brought to you by the Austin Gamblers. Storms moving through the area currently, so be careful out there. You can use the wet stuff, and it's cool in the temperatures, which is a good thing. Uh, excited to hear coming up at the top of the hour with Craig Way, Light the Tower, Gene Watson. One of the best, if not the best, will be in studio talking baseball. Spending so, some time with Craig today. Yeah, hanging out. He was here to do his... He's scouting because he's, of course, what he does, major league executive, director of the minor league system there for uh, the Kansas City Royals. He was going to do the game at the Dale Diamond last night. It got rained out, rained out, but you know, so he got the night off. But he'll be there talking about Rhett Lauder, the uh, right-hander for Wake Forest against Paul Skeens. And those, you know, we talk about the talent in this final three teams, 
two the top two picks in the amateur draft this summer could be LSU Tigers with Skeens and then Dylan Cruz, the phenomenal center Cruz, fielder. He's a center fielder, right? Yeah, he's really good. His bat to ball. I, I mean, saw him run. It'll too. remind you a little bit of Alex Bregman, but maybe a little more pop than Alex had coming out of LSU. But the bat to ball skills, you know, barreling up the ball, and he can play a wicked brand of center field. It looks um, like Mookie Betts in center field. He does. He moves. Really good. A really and is. I heard him talking on the broadcast about they they do real deep dive vision tests for like which eye's weaker, which eye's stronger. Uh, they, they were like, this guy's a freak. I mean, his his vision is off the charts, and they say it gives him another you know half a second to see the ball, define define the pitch, and what makes him such a good hitter. Uh, that's a rare rare thing. So he's a really good player. But the pitchers, Rhett Lauder, who came into the year as the number one prospect, he's been surpassed by Paul Skeens as the number one prospect, but not because he didn't pitch well. He's 15-0 and uh, with that 1.9 ERA. And then the the best other positional player outside of Dylan Cruz is Wyatt Langford, mm-hmm. who, who plays for Florida. So you've got you know four of the top five picks playing in the final three, three of the uh, college baseball tournament. So good stuff awesome. tonight at 6 well, o'clock. I'm, I'm hoping that Ty gets his Grady tonight. Get me some Grady. I will, hopefully. Mark Cuban's smart. I hope smart. we get a whole handful of He's Grady He's a smart tonight. man, which we know he is. Either that or trade back. Go get, go get Capella. Let's get Clint center. Capella? Yep. Former Rocket? I would I would think he is just what we need. Just what you need. Well, you got to think with that 10th pick, whether it's a trade, using that as a, as a resource, or drafting someone. You don't, you're not looking – like, I mean, Victor Wembanyama becomes the centerpiece of the Spurs, without a doubt. I mean, Scoot Henderson has a chance wherever he goes to become the, the star of the yeah, team. Yeah, and Dane Maver- makes, makes a difference no matter where he goes. That becomes an instant – yeah, if he gets traded tonight, because oh, if, yeah. if Portland does take Scoot Henderson, the best point guard in the draft, the most impactful guy, well then, you know, Dame Lillard could be moved because they already have a dynamic backcourt. We'll see. We'll see where that goes. There could be a lot of conversation, or should be a lot of conversation tomorrow. Uh, we do know Victor Wembanyama is going number one. Yes, that the pick's in. That's in. Yes. Pick is in. No doubt. Pick is in. Hey, they're also playing on the PGA Tour, Buck, the Travelers Championship. Oh, yeah. Keegan Bradley already 8-under through 12 holes. Grinding. What the hell's this guy doing? Going for the record. He's 8-under through 12. Loves those New England courses. Keep an eye on Keegan Bradley. They play outside of uh, the River Highlands course there in Connecticut. Connecticut. One note, Craig Way did let me know. I mentioned the Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazines. The online giveaways will begin on Monday. Right now, the current way to only win one is on Craig's show on Light the Tower. But then starting Monday, you can win an, a copy every sh- episode of Light the Tower and then at our website at Dave, uh, to get that Dave Campbell's Texas Football awesome. Magazine. We appreciate Mike Craven for weighing in. He's written most of the articles, 35,000 words, he said, in this year's edition. He was great. Also, Keenan Womack. Heard from Dak Prescott this morning. And we've got a winner of our buck off of the day buck that will win some tickets to that those nice. gambler days coming up in late August. Appreciate the Austin Gamblers. For their support, always a huge buck on there. Buck, rainy, could get, it could be a nap day for you. Yeah, I feel a nap coming on, yeah. Big breakfast Wednesday and a nap? We have big breakfast Thursday and a nap. Oh, Thursday? To go, and a nap to go along with it. Ty, what do you get, get your protein coffee going. We'll talk to 6 a.m. tomorrow. Uh, every hour, podcast at hornfm.com.